Hello everyone, welcome back to Just Another F1 Podcast here on the Apex Motorsport. My name is Richard Smith and this is Season 4, Episode 9. We've had the Spanish Grand Prix. Join me today, it's three guests. The first one, as you know, Ryan Caldwell. Ryan, uh, thanks for joining me again for this one. Just very quickly describe that race in a couple of words. Plenty of overtakes, quite satisfying. Glad there's no damn chicane. Yes, obviously, referring to the track changes at Barcelona. Second guest, Liam Soames. Liam, on, on those chicane, uh, the chicane being removed, just in a couple of words, was it the right decision? Uh, yeah, 100%. It made it way better into the home straight for overtaking, as we saw. I think it was 107 overtakes in the race. So, yeah, actually a smart decision for one of the tracks. Yeah, definitely. It sounds more like a Formula E race with that many overtakes. And the final guest today is Kira. Kira, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, just your your thoughts on that race in a couple of words. I thought it was a really good race, very entertaining, and it's good to be back on the podcast. Yep, yeah, and obviously no Tom this weekend uh, or this week rather. He is over in Le Mans enjoying himself at the 24 hours and we're all very very jealous of that um, and yeah he uh, I'm sure will be sending us many pictures over the coming week making us all very very jealous and wanting to be there but we've got some exciting races of our own coming up fairly soon as well so we can get him back with that um, but we'll start with um, well, well we'll talk about the race it's, itself and for a race where there was no safety cars, there was no retirements, it wasn't the worst race. Usually when we have a race that you know, there, there is really no incidents or retirements or anything of note, it's usually a dull race. But we've had, I think that's the second out of three races that's happened. I think I, I, could, I, I might not be correct in that one, but we, them races are usually a little bit boring. But for this, it wasn't the worst race and for a track like Spain we've seen in the past it hasn't always been great probably I think and I'll come to you uh, Ryan in this point given that this track has been used so much for testing in the past there's only been a few teams that have actually done track days on this in terms of for filming and there's been no real you know, official pre-season test do you think that might have helped this race be a lot better than what it has been in the past well obviously you have to remember that there has been a small change to the track where you're not taking that tight chicane just before the last corner so that instantly means everybody's sort of back on a level playing field obviously the first couple the first two sectors with exact same copy paste from years prior but a new sector is just about finding the limit on how hard you can really push that sector we've seen a lot of cars uh, catch the gravel on the exit uh, uh, just going on to the start finish straight so there was definitely you know everyone was definitely trying their hardest uh, which just shows that the cars it's been, no, hold on, I'm just mumbling over myself here but what I'm trying to say is you can see that the drivers are trying to push as hard as they can but you can also see that the cars have improved as well as the track has also helped it improve which made the weekend better so everything is coming together yes there was no retirements and there was no safety cars but it didn't matter because by having everyone either who knew knows the track or has a car that's set up ready for it the racing was a lot closer which is what we've been trying to see there was plenty of overtakes there was plenty of action it came down to tire strategy as well which is something that hasn't been as heavily focused on because we've had always either red flags or safety car incidents already that so far this season so it was it was just nice to go back to I suppose like what a normal race would be without anything happening and just let strategy and driver skill just really separates the grid I suppose would be the best way of putting it so it's just nice to have a, a normal race for once yeah and it felt in a weird way it felt like a very old school sort of race where you know it, it was coming down the tyres and it felt like you know, the drivers were because there was no real position skiing from instance maybe apart from the 
the Norris Hampton uh, collision at at the start of the race. It was up to the drivers to make them overtakes, and whether that was through an overtake on track or through strategy. And we seen, I think it was, at one point, the top four all had there's three sets of different tires on the top four four cars, which just showed every team was going, um, in a different direction, and that's what I think helped. Obviously, for Stappen's out in the lead, a million miles away. Um, he could have went for a holiday in Madrid and back in the time it took anyone to catch up with him. But um, I'll come to you, Kira. Do you think that, you know, where, where do you think this race stands amongst the others this season? Do you think that it, it's shown that this old school type of racing of going through, you know, many overtakes, proper tyre strategy, it can still, you know, produce an exciting race for Formula One? Yeah, definitely. I actually think it's been. I think it's been one of my favourite races. It was, it was kind of nice to see that there wasn't any um, retirements or safety cars, and it still be an interesting race. I think that kind of old school idea has been really nice, um, and shows that it's still we don't need that kind of safety car element and things to make it an exciting race. So, I would say in comparison to some of the other races this season, it's been up there as one of my favourites. And Liam, I'll come to you now. Um, I'm just looking at a, a graph. I don't know how accurate it is, um, but it's the a- average overtakes by circuit from 2017 to 2022. And Catalonia is 26.5 average overtakes, apparently. Um, one above that. 26.7 Silverstone and usually Silverstone's a very exciting race so do you think that this showed that just the, the best sort of all around that you know Barcelona can be a good track and just how much do you think I know you touched on a little bit um in the intro but how important do you think this uh track change with the chicane being removed made it, the overall show become a little bit more entertaining I think it says it all. You look at Silverstone and you only have to look at the track layout to see, you know, these fast flowing corners where you can sort of set up a move on the straight and it makes it easy to get past someone. It says it all in Spain. When you've got that slow chicane and you're sort of dawdling around the last corner, you're not really ready to make a fast paced move down into turn one. Whereas obviously at Silverstone, you've got all those corners which set you up. And that was the same this weekend. All the drivers were preparing to make a big move and it helped them out a lot being able to be going that much quicker especially with the DRS open you know it made it that whole lot easier so yeah I think it sets the tone for a lot of tracks that you know maybe a lot a lot more other tracks should be thinking about making changes like that making it a bit more flowy and because it clearly works so I guess we'll see but yeah it's good yeah and I always keep forgetting when I look at these graphs that on average, Monaco is about five overtakes, which is is, yeah. is always quite a an odd one. Um, but as as I said, Verstappen was the dominant driver out front. He he was just cruising the victory, and I don't think he was going flat out the, the entire race. He had no need to. Um, we'll we'll touch on uh, the Mercedes drivers in the podium after this. But um, Ryan, I'll come to you first on this one. Another weekend of dominance from from Max Verstappen, you know we, we said it we say it every week, you know as as this has him his way of showing that he can win this title convincingly. But do you think it's going to get to the point where he just can win every race this season? It's very likely, but what's going to end up happening is the same th- same thing that happened to Hamilton. He's going to keep winning. And then everyone's going to be annoyed that he keeps winning. And then everyone turns on him because he keeps winning. Uh, even even ourselves. like we, we I'd say we would have supported Hamilton to the fullest. And then we were just sort of getting fed up at that point that he was doing, you know, the Mercedes had seven constructors titles in a row. And you're just like, yeah, he just keeps winning. But, like, you know, he's the best car, blah, blah, blah. Everyone uses the best car argument. And then he does get put into a mediocre car, and let's be honest, he is he's in the middle of the field at the minute, if not on par with George. Obviously, this weekend has a wee bit of a different impact because they actually brought some upgrades, but Max is just flying away with it, and his next best rival, which I suppose you could compare to as the Valdry Bottas syndrome, uh, Sergio Perez, has just fallen short for a second weekend in a row. 
where he's just not on the top step anymore with uh, Max. So Sergio's losing out in points, which makes it even easier for Max to, tr to crawl ahead, as well as him getting fastest lap as well. So Max is running away with this championship at the minute. I know what we're five, six races in, but still, that's a big head start. Even if he, things did start to go wrong, there's, there's literally... I don't know. He, he's he's got nothing to lose at this point so far. Yeah, it's he's definitely been dominant this season. Um, Kira, do you agree with that point of Ryan that you know, Perez has been a bit like the Valtteri Bottas of, you know, he's he's the second driver. He's not expected to go and win every race, but his performance, you know, it doesn't look great, but he's actually a a decent driver. It's just his teammate. Is just on a completely different level and making them look not as good. Yeah, I do agree. I think Perez is an incredible driver, but when you're comparing him, because obviously within the drivers you're compared to your teammate the most. So when you're comparing yourself to Max and he is just dominating the field in the way that he is, people are going to question whether Perez is living up to expectations but then I think if you were to take it away and just look at Perez's performance I mean I know this weekend wasn't his best but he's still a decent driver and he's still up there and competing it's just when he's compared side by side to Max it just doesn't look like he's meeting up to those expectations but it's the same kind of feeling as people had towards Bottas when he was racing against Hamilton and obviously Hamilton was just dominating and people questioned whether Bottas was this level driver that people kind of expected him to be. So I would just say that Perez is just kind of feeling that same impact at the moment. And Liam, do you think that, you know, Verstappen's going to get the point where if if he keeps winning these titles as much as winning world title Formula One world titles everyone's dream, he's you know he has said he doesn't want to stick around for too long. Do you think it could get to the point where he gets bored and, and goes, or do you think that you know, as much as Red Bull are definitely seeing him as their main driver, their number one, he needs someone in terms of like the Nico Rosberg to Lewis Hamilton in terms of challenge pushing him all the way for the title to sort of keep his performance levels to you know, going forward to the levels that he's showing or do you think that he, he's going to walk away two, three seasons time five titles and go and dominate a different series yeah I, I was actually thinking, that I have been thinking this for the last few weeks um, sort of the amount of journalists ask journalists asking him what like he wants to do and he seems to say every time that he wants to do other things. So every time he wins, it's sort of a 50-50 a because you go, okay, yeah, he's winning this, he's having fun. But I feel like 100% the lack of competition he's got at the moment. He said he does, he's, he said himself he's not worried about breaking records. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting one. You hear him at the end of the race and he doesn't really sound that, ecstatic about winning he sort of says yeah nice job everyone so um oh i think if it stays like this which i don't think it will with the rebel penalty so hopefully we get a few more years of him but i can see it heading that way because winning by 30 seconds every race is fun but not fun if you know what i mean so i guess we'll see yeah and i think as martin brundle said on commentary that you know first happens uh leading the race but Hamilton's leading the Grand Prix or something like that in terms of um, oh you know it be, we always talk about this Formula 1.5 in terms of being the midfield but I never thought we'd see a day where it begins at second place because it's it's getting to the point where it's it's quite ridiculous but um, I'll ask each of you this one I'll start with you Ryan if Verstappen was put into that Mercedes and you know Using the Verstappen we sing, imagine he was completely cloned and he still completed that race. If you swap out Hamilton for Verstappen, do you think Verstappen would be able to win in that Mercedes? And Hamilton goes into the Red Bull? No, ha Hamilton just vanishes. Um, okay. 
Verstappen's up against himself in that Red Bull. It's about like the F1 game. You're doing the flying hot laps. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So you've got one Verstappen and a Red Bull, one Verstappen and a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you the Verstappen that won Spain by thirty seconds, driving the way he did. Would a Verstappen and a Mercedes be able to catch up with with that? He'd possibly be able to catch up, but he would not win because Max in a Red Bull is what he's known, is what he's used to. He's comfortable, he knows the limits, but Max in a Mercedes is an unknown. It's a separate identity, and an, well, entity, I mean. So uh, there's a lot of unpredictability. Uh, you see Lewis and George, they know that car quite well. They're quite comfortable with that car. You whack Max in there, I don't think it's the same scenario, but give it seven eight races i'd say he'd find a way to make that car quicker than those two are already driving the socks off of it so i don't know max is just something else Kira, what do you think do you think that you know verstappen could win in mercedes i don't think he'd win it i think he might get closer i agree with what brian's just said i think he'd maybe push it so he got closer than the mercedes drivers are but I just think as much as Max is such a talented driver, that Red Bull this year is just next level. And I don't think, even if Verstappen was in the Mercedes, I don't think that gap would close enough so the Mercedes was challenging for the win. I think he would still win clear in the Red Bull. And do you agree with that, Liam? Uh, yeah. But after this weekend, it's looking like Mercedes are sort of on the front foot again. I, I still think Max obviously would beat himself because, yeah, like Kira and Ryan said, the Red Bull is just a silly car this year. It's so quick. But, yeah, I don't know. I think he's one of those drivers where it doesn't take him long to get used to a car if it's sort of built around his strength. So. I feel like, like I said earlier, next year, if you put him in a Mercedes, it would be an incredible title fight. And that's what I think we'll get again, hopefully anyway, because it'd just be entertaining. Um, but yeah, Mercedes are looking quicker, so maybe. I think an interesting point you made there about you know, Verstappen with a car built around him. And it's, it's made me think that, you know, in the past, although they they have denied it, Mercedes were building a car around Hamilton. They, they, you know, that that was what they were most likely doing. Where now they've got George Russell, who every race is very vocal on the team radio, basically telling the team what he wants, what he wants to do in terms of strategy, in terms of you know wanting to to pass Lewis, um, giving back the place and stuff. The two two drivers, two different driving styles. There's there's that conflict of which direction they go with the car, whereas Red Bull have went well. Perez, you're having a carbon copy while Verstappen wants, and if you, know, but quite frankly, Perez can retire every race and they'll still win the championship if Verstappen wins every race. Um, because you know that that battle for second third is changing all the time. Um, but Ryan, do you think that that could be a, a problem where, you know. With Russell coming in the Mercedes, as as much as they gained a faster driver than Bottas, not on paper because Bottas was in a was was winning races for them. Um, but in terms of you know out and out racing ability, that they were caught in the dilemma where they they don't necessarily want to build the car around one car, and while they see George as a future world champion, they can't neglect the seven time world champion who's his teammate. Yeah, it's they've got that sort of unpredictability, especially with a lot of rumours floating about at the minute. They don't know exactly what to do themselves, but we'll keep the rumours out of it and just stick at what we know. Lewis essentially had a car belt round him, let's be honest. Uh, the same way Max has had a car belt round him. Lewis had the car belt round him. That's why he was always be able to extract more out of it compared to Valtteri, even though Valtteri was at times winning races, but it's the same as Perez. He is winning, but just then peaks, and once he falls off, he sort of gets stuck in a rut. It was the same with Valtteri. Once he got stuck in a rut, maybe having one bad race or constantly being told to let Lewis through, 
which I suppose wouldn't help either, or being stuck on a one-year contract all the time, uh, that would ha not help either. But this scenario is different, where we have George, the up-and-coming superstar of Mercedes, I suppose you could put it, and Lewis. You can't build a car around any one of them, which is probably why they tried that stupid design last year and then carried it into this year and are still trying to make it work with upgrades, which is now starting to do something, uh, which isn't the worst thing to happen. But both cars seem to be on a similar level, shall we say, because neither driver is outclassing the other so if George is maybe even ahead by two places or Hamilton sometimes is ahead by two places it's it's always how would you put it tit for tat would be the, the saying one is just sort of either behind or in front they're never miles apart like how many other drivers can be like we could say that the difference between Piastri and Norris at times you know one driver could have an absolute superstar session where the other one is literally clawing at the back just trying to make any sort of pace places possible so back to your point because i've went miles off track um they'll probably not build a car around either driver or russell even if lewis decides to leave because they need a car that's suitable for both drivers to win points not one driver to win points liam if i asked you if mercedes had to which driver should they build the car around looking you know to the future is it them looking towards the, the long term of russell or do they go and give that eighth title for lewis that they've promised him oh my god that's a hard one because i think it sounds harsh but looking at how quick red bull are it's not looking likely that they're going to be winning titles well before before lewis retires well but then it's a sticky one because Lewis could go as long as, you know, Alonso's going. You don't know how long Lewis is going to be in the sport for, but I think the smart decision would be to build it around George, obviously, if they go for long-term in the future. But they also don't want to create that tension in the team. So I think what they're doing right now, kind of keeping it equal, letting them race each other is good. Um, I feel like they did make a step in Spain, but yeah, it all depends on sort of how Lewis feels and how he's communicating with the team because if he's if they promised it to him and he's like he really wants them to keep that promise then they sort of have to build it around him for now but um yeah I feel like they'll struggle with the decision as much as I'm struggling to think about it yeah. but yeah it's, it's definitely a tough one because you know they're they've got two great drivers and any any team in the grid you would be lucky to have them. You, know, I think, you could say they're probably the strongest lineup in the grid, in terms of you know, both, both race winners, both race winning potential. As much as Verstappen Perez, you know, is a decent lineup. I feel like the Mercedes pair are a little bit more consistent in terms of getting the most they can out of a car that's not been great for uh, the past two seasons. Um, but finally, before we um. You know, we get any complaints from Mercedes fans saying that we've gone on about Red Bull being too good for too long. Um, Kira, just do you think Mercedes are a victim of their own success because they had so many great years? They've now got two great drivers and are in this dilemma where because they've did so well for so long, got themselves into this position that they can't make any decisions because they're upsetting. They'll they'll have to upset either megastar in the sport. I think it's just got to the stage where Mercedes don't know what to do as such when they're not at the front. And that's not because they're trying to build around Lewis or it's not because they're trying to build into the future. I think it's just they were so used to being at the front because they were that leading team. Everybody wanted to be Mercedes. Everybody wanted to be racing for them because they were so dominant. And now they've kind of lost that edge that they had because clearly Red Bull have taken over and are leading. And I think it's more, yeah, they've kind of have become a victim of their own success, that kind of idea that because they were at the front for so long now, they're not quite sure what to do. Because obviously, as we've all discussed, like 
they've made that promise to Lewis that they're going to give him that eighth title, but they can only give a promise if they're going to fulfil it with providing him something that he can win in. So as much as they don't want to let George down, do they want to be known as the team that have got that record? Which I think in some ways they would. But I think they'll do it in a way that they can still keep George happy, but they want to build something that's going to get that eighth title. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, it, it is a tough one because, you know, I, I couldn't decide if I, if I was in Total Wolf's position, I couldn't decide who to prioritise because, you know, Lewis has won seven titles. He knows what it's like to win. George hasn't won any. But then you're so close from breaking a record. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll not go into it again because well, it, we have to bring it up every podcast, but Abu Dhabi 2021, if that didn't happen and Verstappen had completely blown Lewis out of the water that season, I feel like it would be a different conversation. But because how he was a corner yeah. away from, from winning it, I think... It probably makes that decision even more difficult, but I I don't I can't personally see Mercedes making that decision anytime soon. Um, both drivers are looking for new long term contracts, so we'll have to see what comes over that comes from that. But I think um, we'll move on to the next point. But just before that, I think it's it's worth saying that for me it's it's similar to how you know in football in the Premier League, a team has success for so long and then all of a sudden it just spirals downhill and I think Mercedes have been quite lucky not to have that spiral where they're falling, you know, like like Williams falling right down to the bottom of the grid. That it was damage limitation for them for the majority of last season and this season to an extent. And for them to be on a double podium in Spain in the well, second race of the new upgrades, it's progress for them. And Ultimately, with the pace of, of Red Bull and Max Verstappen, second and third is probably the best they're going to achieve. And they might pick up the odd race victory um, if things go their way. Um, I, I fully expect Lewis to be in top form of Silverstone. He, he almost won there last year um, in a car that was, was pretty dreadful. So we never know what could happen. But I, I do think Mercedes could pick up um, a win for the end of the season. But before we'll move on to the the Spanish stars, but if I go to each of you now, just one one driver you think will be the next race winner outside of Red Bull, Ryan. Who do you think that would be? Uh Charles Leclerc. Okay, Liam. Fernando Alonso. Okay, Kira. I think it might be Lewis. I, I was going to say Lewis to... too. Yeah. I think I've... he's yeah he he wants that win he wants to prove that he's still still up there because yeah. it's just the car and other factors at the moment but there's definitely a race winning them in that Mercedes team yeah definitely um but yeah we move on to the the Spanish stars their home race um I think we had Esteban Ocon saying in the press conference that he had a lot of family um in Spain right beside the circuit um, which I didn't actually realise but um, he said that in the presser he finished 8th Fernando Alonso finished 7th very disappointing when all the everything going into the weekend was going to tell you Fernando Alonso was going to win that race um, everything 33 related was lining up um, you know the, the dates, the garage number everything um there was something else in terms of a lap time or something like that that, that matched up as well. Um, it was it was quite weird. Um, but yeah, he obviously finished down seventh, and Carlos Sainz after starting second finishing fifth. So overall, a, a disappointing weekend for the Spanish stars. Um, Ryan, do you do you think that both you know signs and Alonso they just didn't quite live up to expectations or you think there was other factors to play in there well I think signs sort of fell victim to just Ferrari's antics in general just 
bad strategy calls and just everything in general. Alonso possibly could have went on to challenge if he tried just a wee bit harder. Um, I didn't agree with their strategy either going softs upon softs and then swapping to the last compound which didn't make a lot of sense considering that the the red bulls were mediums so i don't know where the and that the this ah, what am i looking for they didn't have the right knowledge maybe they should have just copied red bull because at the end of the day they are a red bull you know if we're being honest uh but you know Alonso even said at the end of the race, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and protect Lance in P6. So Alonso's playing the long game. He's he, he knew what he was doing. He was just there to have a good show and a good day and just end the race sort of happy instead of being frustrated, trying to keep fighting all the way to the end. He just wanted to sit behind his, his, uh, his brand new daddy's son and just, you know, say you're doing a good job Lance I'm going to follow you and tell you where you're messing up <laughs> yeah Liam I don't I don't think that is a true representation of what happened Lon- Alonso wanted to pass didn't he uh, yeah he's Fernando Alonso isn't he but yeah I agree he's playing the long game Um, it was disappointing because sorry about the noise don't know if you could hear that but you know, you had all the success of the past with Alonso when he was winning championships and there was the big hype for him uh, this weekend with the Spanish fans. So it was a bit disappointing not to see him on the podium as he's been so much, as he's been so many times this season. Um, but he sh- should be back with the things that Aston Martin have been saying in recent days. They said they're going to like destroy the competition or something in Canada, so... If he gets back on the podium in Canada, I'm sure he'll be delighted. But, yeah, shame for him not to be on it. It is home race, really. And signs, well, yeah, he drives the Ferrari, so not to discredit them too much. But I am not surprised that it didn't go too well. Yeah, and Kier, were you disappointed to see neither driver really push for the podium spots? I think it was disappointing for the home fans. But I think, actually part of me just watching the race I got so caught up in all the other drivers and what was happening elsewhere on the track I kind of lost where the Spanish drivers had gone until kind of that moment where I was like oh Alonso isn't on the podium because obviously he'd been on there so many times this season and everybody was hoping that it was going to be that win but yeah I kind of wasn't as surprised Unfortunately, when it came to signs, I think the Ferrari's still too unreliable in the strategies and everything else. But Fernando, I was quite surprised he wasn't further up. Yeah, and another driver who had a tough race was Lando Norris. He started in third. I think there there's sort of two two types of people for this. There's the ones who were the realistic that uh, you know, there's absolutely no chance for you know, for McLaren to be on the podium and the, they weren't getting anywhere near it and there was the people who were actually hoping they would um, Liam Lando Norris, he had contact with, with Hamilton at the opening lap if that didn't happen where do you think he would have finished because he said himself he didn't expect any points yeah I had not going to lie, I had massive hope for Lando and McLaren in Spain, so when he dropped down and had to pit, although I wasn't surprised because McLaren have just had that rotten luck in the last couple of years, it was really disappointing. Um, yeah, he knows the car better than anyone, and if he's saying, you know, points, then I don't think he would have been on the podium. I think he would have put up a fight for around like the middle of the points, sort of sixth, seventh-ish, where Alonso was because um, it did seem to get sort of messy with strategy around that point but yeah just more disappointment for McLaren which is a massive shame because you know we know they haven't had the greatest car and the fact Lando pulled out that lap in Q3 was crazy so it would have been nice to see him 
carry that on in the race, but yeah, more just died for him really, but hopefully McLaren bring a bit more pace again to Canada and they're on, so we'll see. Yeah, and Kira, do you think that this was a, a good lap from, from Norris in qualifying to just sort of remind people that he's actually on the grid because he's sort of been off in the distance a lot because he's not really up there fighting as we've seen in the past? Yeah, I think that qualifying lap was was definitely a statement just as a, like you say, kind of a reminder he's still here. And I agree with Liam. I was really disappointed with that first lap collision. Because um, I think even though maybe not podium, I think he still would have definitely been fighting for some decent points over the weekend and for it to come to such a quick end for him. Because after obviously him and Lewis I think obviously his race was over pretty much and it was just back to being at the back of the grid kind of style for him but I think if that hadn't have happened he definitely would have been fighting for some points some decent points for that McLaren team yeah definitely um Ryan I come to you this is a, the sort of final point before we move on to predictions We've seen, obviously, going back to Monaco, the pictures of the Rebel and Merck cars being lifted up uh, by the Korean. Um, Andrea Stella from uh, McLaren basically said, fair play to Rebel, um, you have a decent car. But we've also seen the Williams car as well. <laughs> and uh, James Voyles, i seen a, a video earlier um, on Twitter that basically said that you know, our car is, you know, less complex, but that it's looking in one area, and Red Bull obviously have the advantage. And I thought it was a bit of a, a weird video to put out because he sort of said, he, he didn't really say why they haven't gone that way. He basically said, yeah, our car is not as good as Red Bull's, but they yeah, have fair play to them. Um, just you give, give me your thoughts on all of that. Do you think that, you know, th this is the first. To real time in terms of you know obviously it's, it's quite difficult for people who aren't really you don't understand the concepts of aerodynamics and stuff to get a grasp of what works and what doesn't work but you know visually anyone could look at the, the two pictures of the red bull and the volumes and go hold on here well that one's obviously going to be a lot faster because it's got a lot of different bits and pieces that that look fast yeah, Williams is essentially like a toaster running across a bath. Uh, it's it's almost going to work, but it's not going to because it's not plugged in. That's essentially how their floor is laid out. It's It looks good. It's nice and smooth, which means air can pass under it nicely. However, it's not doing anything. It's not pushing it anywhere. It's not doing nothing which is what every other car that's in the top, you know, top six positions is doing. It's creating different wind channels, moving the the air upwards, downwards, creating more downforce and lift at the ends or lift at the front. It's it's helping affect porpoising, which was dealt with at the end of, well, hopefully the end of last year. Uh, they were making some jokes, I don't know, about the bounces going into the new bit of uh, tarmac right enough. Uh, that oh porpoising's back because of the jumps but Williams I don't know what's going on there do they even have aerodynamic engineers because if they do they need to be they need to be fired you know we're not making it we're not making a, a smooth surfaced aircraft you know like a Boeing 747 trying to make it as smooth as possible even though it's got a big hump in its head that's what it's like it's just like right here we go, we are going to build a car, we're going to use this Lego model, uh, so if when you look underneath a Lego model, it is perfectly flat, that is what we're going for, because it looks great, uh, car gets lifted up, and they're like, yeah, well, uh, Mercedes, and Ferrari, and Red Bull, and practically everyone have gone with something else, uh, uh, you know the Simpsons meme, uh, Chuckles, I'm in danger, yeah, that's, that's, that's them, <laughs> I think that one's for the most chaotic two minutes ever on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and the weirdest analogy I've ever heard describing a, a car using a toaster uh, um, yeah 
Okay. Well, move on to a little bit of F1 news. Um, I'll just quickly run through this because it's a load of rumours and we usually wait to give a comment once they're actually confirmed. Uh, so Pirelli, according to Autosport, Pirelli are set to be challenged by Bridgestone as a tyre manufacturer for 2025 and beyond. Um, Bridgestone obviously have been in F1 um, in the past. Um, been interested to see where that leads. We've had Pirelli's exclusively for a long time. I don't think we're going to see the return of the tyre wars, although I think that would actually be quite interesting. Um, but don't think that's going to happen. I think it's for an exclusive contract. And the final bit of news that I've seen is that um, the much-rumoured South African race for next season isn't going to happen. Um, but a race in 2025 is possible. Um, but a piece of good news for F1 historic fans, it means that Spa looks likely to stay on the calendar for next season at least, which is great for um, for for people who like the historic tracks. And for me personally, it's, it's a good move. I think it, it, sh- it should be on there anyway. Um, predictions time. Um, We've we've all had a bit of a shocker. Well, not not you, Liam and and Kira. Uh, Tom didn't uh, do the best of job for you, but you didn't lose anything. I got a grand total of zero points. Um, which because I basically said that Alonso is gonna get pole win the race and be joined in the podium by Perez and Sainz, which is it's quite funny. Um, although Hamilton getting fastest lap. I wasn't far wrong. No. Um, no. And then, you know, me saying the Hamilton's going to top FP3 in Q2. With the pace the Mercedes had, you know, it, it wasn't the worst. Um, Ryan, you predicted uh, Verstappen pole, Verstappen win, Alonso Perez on the podium. And so you got one point for Verstappen. And then uh, you said fastest lap, Perez, but that was in fact Verstappen. Mm-hmm. And then you put Bottas out Q1 and top 10 in race, which was hilariously right. wrong. Yeah, well, in terms of the race, yeah. did not go to plan at all. Um, so I'm on 11 points, Ryan, you're on 12, but on 16 is Team Apex, so uh, they're doing quite well. Um, Tom, Tom put Stroll on pole, which um, there was also 10 point on the line. Um, He's trying to throw up points advantage away with that yeah yeah wait i was trying my best to convince him not to go for that until ryan reminded <laughs> me about the points advantage um so i so let that one slide uh he did get you a point over saying for Stappen was going to win the race and then uh leclerc and alonso in the podium it's grand total zero and i think that might be the first time we've ever scored a grand total zero on the podiums Fantastic. between us all yeah so um any bad advice uh, don't ask us uh, he also put uh, Alonso for the fastest lap and Piastri to retire from the race not one retirement so um, Piastri had a decent race uh, which wasn't bad for him but we'll get on to the business now uh, predictions for the Pirelli Grand Prix de Canada 2023 always feels weird when it's do Canada, but I forget that uh, France is he- yeah, heavy influence in Canada. Um, pole position. Uh, Kira, I'll let you do the honours by starting off with that one. Oh, pole position. I think I'm going to have to say Max. That's very boring, but I'll let you. I on. know, I know, but. Got to go for the points this season. After our poll guest last week, we need a point for that. Yeah. So I back it. Well, thank you. I'm glad we have good Although Stroll is at home this weekend, so I bet he gets it I now. Still we predicted it. Pro- probably. But I'm going the the poor Max is on. We're gonna go for one that hopefully will get us a point. Okay. Uh, we don't have Latifi this uh, year's Canadian Grand Prix either. Oh Just no! I forgot. Yeah. Oh, not returning home. <laughs> oh blessing. That that that's now my surprise prediction. Now we're definitely not getting the safety car. <laughs> I also <laughs> also seen a video earlier. Um, and I completely forgot he drove an F one. Uh, because he's just been wiped from memory. Nikita Mazepin. Oh, 
Yeah, he was a fever dream, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one, Sergei Sorokin. What, like, yeah. What's he been up to now? Yeah, I see things like that when I look for races. races. Mm. Look at the 2018 grid and it's like Van Dorn, Sorokin. Wow. What yeah. about Brendan Hartley? That's one for you. Yeah, the goat. Yeah, that's it. Is he, you know, is he still in endurance wreck? Yeah, I think so. This wreck. is where we need. This is where we need Tommy T on board. Yeah. Because he's he's our endurance racing expert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me see. Whereabouts are we predictions wise? Um, yeah, I'll I'll go pole position. I'll go for Lewis Hamilton. Whoa. I'm too far behind to really. There's no point in me guessing the same because we just equaled out. So I might as well play a bit risky. Uh, Ryan, pole position. Uh, well, I'm basing this off of the fact that this man managed to qualify and started second on the grid last year in an Alpine. It is Fernando Alonso is taking my pole. Okay. That's mad. <laughs> Um, that sentence is mad. Yeah. Uh, race winner. Uh, Liam, take it away. Uh, I've got faith in the rumours I've seen around Aston Martin, so Alonso's going to win. Oh, thoughts on that one, Kira? Yeah, I back it. That would have been my choice. Thirty-three. Okay. What's coming? I feel okay. like because he didn't get it in Spain, he's just he's just had a little delay there's just a slight glitch but we'll get it this weekend instead yeah jake dennis is on the flight it's been delayed he's getting <laughs> it in canada just a little apex shout out to jake dennis on the podium twice again just getting that in there nice job <laughs> yeah, jake, i feel like pierre gasly was and slightly before your time here on on with apex but you know, pierre gasly was always the the, the channel favorite um I feel like Jay Dennis has taken over that mantle in terms of for Formula E at the very least. Um, yes. Yeah, we, we mm-hmm. love Jay Dennis. Um, very, very nice guy um, uh, as well. Um, Ryan? Like the Comstam account at this point. Who's one, Ryan? Uh, fly the orange flags for the, the Dutchman. You know who it is. Verstappen? Yeah, boy. Um... I'm going to go for Hamilton then. I'll be I'm boring. Grand Slam from Richard. I mean, how do that. you know I wasn't on about are we pal Nick DeVries? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. He's Dutch too, Baz. I will, I can also confirm that Brendan Hartley is still racing in WEC as 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 I thought he was. Wick. Um, that's what he's doing now. Um, Wake up. Other notable former F1 drivers, um, well, not in Le Mans, Jack Villeneuve, he's been sacked. Um, What's up with Staffel Van Dorn too? Anything about him though? Well, he's in... Uh, Ex-McLaren retiree. Formerly world champion. Boom. He became P4 or P5 on Sunday. Yeah, wasn't bad Read for Read all about uh, it on the com. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's trying to plug everything because it was two early starts on a row. It's a good <laughs> good job we didn't. Uh, yeah. It's a good job we didn't have to cover um practice because I don't think that would have been too Ooh, fun. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll run, I'll run through work very quickly because Le Mans coming up. Um. Other uh, former F one drivers: Andre Ladder. Um. Kiyomi Kobayashi is he done F one? Oh, Kobe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jose Maria Lopez, Sebastian Boemi, Felix da Costa, and the legend, Will Stevens. Uh, the Yeah. Um, Paul de Rasta, John Egg Thurn. It's, it's just pure Formula E. Nico Miller, <laughs> Lorc Deval. <laughs> Forgetting about one man. Talk about the rest of who we're forgetting? You're forgetting about the man, the myth, the legend. The torpedo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
him being a legend him also one. losing not one race but also the race of being uh, a father um, right we're gonna start i'm gonna interject <laughs> right there um lmp2 yeah uh daniel kvyat wamalaklea um Tom Blomquist, not these aren't all F1 drivers, but people you know. Frederick Lubin done a couple of rounds in uh, GB3. Uh, Pietro Fittipaldi, Sean Galeo, Lori Duval, R- Robert Kibitza. Oh, what a man. Yeah. Oh. And then all the way down. Charlie Eastwood from Belfast. Um, Harry Ticknell. Um, yeah. It's it's not a bad lineup, but uh, for for Le Mans, of course, we have the NASCAR as well, Jensen Button. I can't wait for that. But yeah, we get back to predictions because we're we're going well off track <laughs> once again. Um, podium. I'll start with this one. I've went for Hampton race one, so I'm gonna go for Russell and Verstappen because I think Merck's the Merck's are sandbagging. Well, or not to gain 30 seconds is a different story, but uh, Ryan, podium. I think this is just back to back to basics. Uh, so I will go Alonso and Perez. I think we're back to basics. Okay. Uh, you can have fill, fill them in a second while I sort this document out. Uh, Leave me the last one. Uh, give give one each. Uh, Kira, who do you think is going to finish second? Ooh. So we've got Alonso in first, and then I think it's going to be. Ooh. I don't want to be boring, but I feel like I want to be boring to get us a point. You mm. have a big enough lead; it's worth the risk. I'm going to say George Russell. Okay, seems me then. Liam, third place. Stroll. Okay, um, taking my advice uh, well. Um, He's going to celebrate with some nice maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, f- forget the, the milk at the end. They're just, they're just down a fine maple syrup and cover themselves <laughs> in it. Yeah. It's like Indy when they just drink milk. He'll just yeah. go on a podium Maple with some syrup. syrup. I reckon they should do that each race. You know, one of the British Grand Prix gets a full English fry. Yes. Always and a cup of tea. Oh. Is this the same as like... <laughs> I love the like difference there. Somebody said drink tea the milk. somebody said a pint. <laughs> what, what was that, Kira? I said I love the difference. One of you went a cup of tea and the other one went <laughs> a pint. Yeah. The difference. The difference yeah. in the celebrations. A back and roll a cup of tea after one of the race, I think for me would be much better. Uh, but you know, each the one, I guess. Sausage roll. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, shout. Yeah. Vegan sausage rolls. <laughs> Just <laughs> downing a paella after one in Spain. <laughs> well, what else have we got? Kind of Canada, Canada maple syrup, um, Belgium waffles, chocolate, Ooh. chocolate. Oh. Yeah. That'd be good. Um, Monza, cool. big spag ball. Yeah. Co- I uh, don't know you'd mention a spag ball. <laughs> I had one tonight. Did you? I felt like I'd won in, in Monza, yeah. It was quite good. Man got it from Asda's ready meals selection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't beat them. No, you know, to be fair, you, you're not wrong there. Um, what would you eat You should Holland? try the kebab. <laughs> <laughs> All the supermarkets are available. Um, <laughs> Holland, what would you eat there? Oh, them... Oh, stoop waffles or something? Stoop waffles, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Singapore. Some... I'm not sure their local delicacies. Japan would be sushi. Yeah. Qatar, I don't know. United States, just massive burger chips and a milkshake. Yep. And it's then, just a big McDonald's. And then <laughs> Brazil, just barbecue. 
Mm. Oh, Kira, we would enjoy Mexico for heater after winning a Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a shout. What yeah, did he that's... say? Oh. For here. I thought he said tequila. <laughs> and that. Well, that as well, to be fair. Oh, right. Tequila. Beautiful. That... Nasty. I, I reckon <laughs> I reckon for next season after what we should do is go to a restaurant of each country that we the race and do the podcast there. No. <laughs> be, but, right. Fastest lap. Ryan, your uh, suggestions I don't think are drivers. Um, yeah, they are, they are, they are, they are. Right, trust so, me, trust me. Right then. So this is your time to guess. Who is my fastest lap? Oh me. Yeah, you you've you've given the predictions for each of us. So who's it gonna be? I'm gonna stick with whoever you you think mine's is. Oh, for what these people are. Yes. Ah, oh, well, mo- the last one's a joke, uh, but like uh, the first one is Max Verstappen. Okay, I'm, I'm sticking. It's pretty self-explanatory, that. isn't it? Yeah, for you. Uh, that was gonna be Carlos Sainz, just as like a, a throw it out there. Okay. Um, dumb race driver who plays golf. He's pretty yeah. dumb at the minute, so you know. He just listens to his team. They tell him to come into the pits, and he's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and uh, who's the final one? Uh, the one driver who gets fanboyed so hard over, uh, but now uh, is still being very disappointing, even after his teammate, who was supposedly supposed to be god-awful last season, uh, actually had a point to make. So it's none other than Lando Norris. Uh, for some reason, the car is quick, which means it can put together a fast lap. So I don't know. Maybe something could happen. Any objections from from either you two about Norris being your fastest lap? Remember, you no, have like no. a very good points advantage. <laughs> no, because if you'd have come to me, I was going to actually say Lando. So Nor- Norris is usually my guess. So oh, I, I'm I just keeping it in there, okay? Make... Yeah. Liam, no, happy with Norris. I was just going to say, you don't have to change it. I was going to say Mad Max because he wants to win all the time and we said he's not going to win, so he's going to be angry. So he's going to want, because he's not getting waffles. Um, mm. So he's going to go for the fastest lap. But yeah, we'll go waffles. with Lando. Okay, we'll stick with Lando. We put, we put Max on pole, so yeah. we'll go for someone else. Yeah. Ryan, your Hello. time to shine with the random number generator. Jeez, I must be taking over the podcast because I thought that last bit was my time to shine. <laughs> right, you want some random numbers? Who's up first? Yes, please. Me, please, because it doesn't really matter because oh, it's up to the two, random number generator. Three. Oh, no way. We actually got a low number for once. Yay. It's it's number four, Lando Norris. Norris. <laughs> right. Um, no way. Oh. See, you're going to chance your arm, see what you can get away with here. Uh, I, I, I'm struggling with this one. Because... I suppose you need points, though. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to think how low down in the running that I could could go. Depends. Off of mm. his last performances, uh, you could literally go anywhere from, like, top yeah. eight onwards, probably. Yeah. But... If you include his qualifying from the last race, uh, you'd be looking at anywhere in the top six. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because Norris is... He's outperforming the carrier and he didn't qualify. In, but they don't have the pace to stay there. But then Piastri was, was challenging for points. So he got unlucky, I'll, remember, at the start of the race. It was the pit stops that hindered his race. Yeah. I'll go top six. I think Norris could have finished ninth, you know, if he didn't mess up. Yeah, I think he was going for points. Um, oh, you're good. Right. That's very, that's very bold. Oof. Yeah. I would nearly say top seven, but I think I'll go top six. You're really pushing it. Sweet. Who's up next? Is it me you, or are we going yes, the team? You, oh no, you're going. You three. up next? Kick it once, kick it twice, kick it three times. Uh, I think we're way out. Number eighty-three. Uh, uh, closest Piastri. to 80, Oscar Piastri, 81. Yeah, fair enough. I haven't said anything for him, so that's a McLaren teammate. Oh, this would be interesting. <laughs> um, Back to the Piastri. trend of getting teammates. We, we used to have that last year. Hey? 
Back to the trend of getting the teammates, because we got that a lot last year. Yeah, even though it was just me and you, but that was, that was quite interesting. Yeah. Right, Piastri to out-qualify Lando, obviously. So, out-qualify Lando, uh, finish f- more than four places above him in the race, and by at least 20. We'll go 25 seconds. Right, if you get all that, I'm giving you two points. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Team Apex, what are they? What driver are they getting? Oh, I forgot. That's me. Uh, <laughs> two. I was just listening. I was like, what's going on here? Completely zoned out. <laughs> Number 47 on Mick Schumacher. Well, there's no point in that. Mick Schumacher to return for the second week in a no, row. No, not doing I that was, again. No. I was technically correct because he was in the post-race test and I said he would return in Spain. Incorrect, right? I've hit it again. We get number three, uh, which is... Daniel uh, Ricciardo uh, to make a return. We can't use him. We can't use him either. <laughs> Uh, number 18, what was that give us? Number 18, number 18. Lance Stroll, Stroll. yes! Yeah. Right. About a home so, race here, heroics. I should remind you the Strolls on the podium, which is a bold enough prediction in itself. <laughs> so, um, Create a backup prediction to save your ass. Maple syrup somehow. Go on, Liam, you put Stroll on the podium, you can take the prediction for him. Hmm. Who's on the podium with for us? Russell, oh my god, okay. Um, um, we've put Alonso. Wait, yeah, hold on. Yeah, Alonso to win. Stroll to yeah. wear moose ears to the GP. You are sort of stuck here, to be fair. Yeah, Stroll to take someone out but still get on the podium. Oh, We've Lord. already got a points advantage. We might as well. We'll we'll define uh, taking someone out whenever that um, actually does happen. Um, Causing a collision that gives him a penalty, I guess. Okay. You okay? Stroll penalty. Okay. Right. So that's all the predictions then uh, for Canada. It's the start of this weird period where we're flying back and forth from Europe to North America for, for no real reason. Um, we don't have a race that's next week. Talk yeah. about net zero by 2030. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Canada, we must Canada for a few years um, with COVID, so um, it'll, it'll be nice. You know, I think we had a race there last year, but to be back in Canada again, see who hits the wall of champions this time. Um, be, be interested to see that. But yeah, uh, Ryan, Liam, Kira, thank you for joining me for this podcast. Uh, Tom, if you're listening, hope you're enjoying Le Mans. We're all very, very jealous. Um, but yeah, um, Liam, come to you first. Any final thoughts before I end this podcast? Um, no, I'm just looking forward to Stroll's home heroics because I've talked it into um, action now, so it's going to happen. Yeah, he's going to be the star of the show. Kira, any final thoughts? Um, I'm hoping for another good race. That's what I'm hoping for. A bit of a mix-up, a few surprises. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, and um, Ryan, take it away with your... Well, have you got a film review this week? No, I've just got something that's been playing on my head since I've seen it about before we started this podcast. And it was Autosports Post. It was like seven or eight hours ago. And it was talking about uh, should we let tyre brands compete again in Formula One? So not just Pirelli. Bring back like your Michelins and Firestones and whatnot. Mmm, there's some food for thought. Ooh, food. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the Canadian Grand Prix for people in the UK, it's a 7 o'clock start, so a nice evening race. Um, so you've got the entirety of, of Sunday morning to do whatever you do. Oh, uh, lovely. Practice Friday evening, so if you're working, you can come back from home, uh, back home from work. Ha- uh, 6.30 start. Uh, 10 o'clock start for FP2. A 5.30 start for practice on Saturday with 
nine o'clock qualifying on the Saturday, so it's going to be a, a late night. Um, and then the inevitable penalties, um, post race or post session investigations. I reckon that won't be wrapped up about three in the morning, won't it? <laughs> and then uh, seven o'clock start for the race on the Sunday in Canada, and then we're into July, and then we've got four races until the summer break. So yeah. Silverstone. Yep, includes Silverstone. Um Australia, Silverstone. We're just looking at race times. Um we we don't have an early start until Japan. Which is Not nice. An early start. Yeah, six six o'clock, so back to Australian times. So yeah, we've gone on for far too too long as per usual. Uh, once again, Ryan, Liam, Kira, thank you for joining me. Thank you for, to everyone for listening to this podcast, and we hope you can join us next time after the Spanish, or not, I was going to say Spanish, just had Spain, the Canadian Grand Prix. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.